This is the Alchemized Life Podcast. I'm your host, Ava Johanna, and I am so grateful to have you here joining me for yet another soul expansive conversation. My intention with every episode is to show you through storytelling and in-depth conversations that you, yes, you, are capable of creating anything you desire. Alongside yours truly, you'll hear from thought leaders and industry voices, and together we will teach you how to come alive in your authentic expression and remember the infinite power of your soul. We're covering topics like wealth, worthiness, the pursuit of your passions, and you'll be inspired to break all the rules of living an ordinary life. You were truly put on this planet to have it all. The thriving spiritual practice, the steamy relationship, the income, and the impact. So together, let's align with our divine selves and alchemize your life. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the Alchemize Life podcast. You guys, I'm flipping out. I went into Spotify from the creator's portal because we have our like Spotify wrapped for personal use. And then I started seeing podcasters and creatives like musicians sharing the 2022 wrapped from the creator's portal. And I was like, oh, I want to see all of the stats for the Alchemized Life in 2022. And I am shook. Oh my gosh. So I have to share because this is so huge. In 2022, the Alchemized Life is in the top 10% most followed podcasts on Spotify. Not only that, We've created 94% more content, new content than other creators in the health and fitness category, which I would say we're like kind of in, but like (laughs) much more than that. That's okay, Spotify. We are the top 10 podcast for 269 fans, top five podcasts for 147 fans, number one podcast for 32 fans. So those of you that are the 32, I mean, I can't do fast math, but everyone that's in the top number, the number one, top five, top 10. I fucking love you guys so much. For those of you that are newer to the podcast, you know, you got some work to do, (laughs) but that's okay because we have so many new episodes coming out. So we will happily rise to your top, not only 10, not only five, but to becoming your number one podcast in 2023. (laughs) In addition to that, I'm almost done. I'm almost done. In addition to that, the podcast was also in the top 10% most shared globally through the United States, Canada, Australia, United Kingdom, and Germany. Those are the top five countries. And I am just so freaking grateful for all of you, especially during a year where I felt the podcast was all over the place. I'm just so grateful. And it has lit the biggest fire underneath this sweet little tush of mine to continue creating and investing even more time into the podcast because I just feel like there's so much that we have yet to discuss, so many conversations that we can have, so many incredible people that I have yet to talk to on the podcast, and in addition, so many of you that I would love to have come on the podcast. So today, I'm so excited for this episode. Honestly, I feel like this is going to be one of those golden episodes for so many of you with Dan Mendelow. 
So Dan and I met in Sayulita earlier this year, and it's hilarious, actually. So for those of you that are from San Diego, you might know of Spin Nightclub. I used to go there all the time when I lived in San Diego, especially in my early 20s, because it was just like the most fun nightclub. Um, It was very chill, had like a Burning Man vibe to it. I think that's where like all the burners would go. Um, So it had a totally different vibe than all of the Gaslamp District nightclubs. It was not pretentious or like weird at all. And so I loved Spin and the music that they got in there was always amazing. And I'm in Sayulita at this cute little bar. And there was this guy that was standing next to me. And I don't even remember what he said, but we quickly realized that we both were from San Diego and he was one of the investors or founders. I don't think founder, but investors for Spin Nightclub. And so we instantly hit it off. And um, myself and Matt and one of our friends, Jack, uh, who we all had met in Sayulita, instantly became friends with Edgar nicknamed Panda. Hi, Edgar. (laughs) Um, And his friends that were visiting Sayulita for the week. And I actually hadn't even met Dan at this point because he was on a journey with his shaman who he studies with out in Sayulita or a little bit outside of Sayulita. And so the next day, Edgar invited us over to hang out at their Airbnb because they had a pool and they were playing music. And I met Dan. And Meeting Dan was just one of those like instant moments where I was like, this man is soul family. We are going to get along so well. And he felt it as well too. And we like instantly dropped into conversation. And the next day we continued playing in the ethers and talking about all of these different things that, you know, our conversations on this podcast, but are just the like deep watery, like conversations that just get me this, my little Scorpio heart, which is a joke because (laughs) we talked about this in this episode, my little Scorpio heart just loves the deep conversations. Um, and I knew in whatever format or facet Dan and I would become friends and work together and would just stay connected. And so here we are, I went on Dan's podcast actually, uh, a couple weeks ago, his podcast is called Magnetic AF, and I am so excited for you to hear this conversation because when Dan and I had our conversation on his podcast and he was sharing a bit about the work that he has done for himself and then also for his clients, I realized how important it was for us to have a conversation on the Alchemized Life podcast about really embracing your darkness and shadow work and following the pain and how what Dan teaches and the conversation you're going to, going to hear today is really, in my opinion, the path towards liberation. If we can learn how to befriend and not run away from, but get curious with and get excited by the shadowy aspects of ourselves that we have labeled wrong or bad or not acceptable, I really truly believe that we can alchemize every single aspect of our life. And this is where the true growth happens. So that's all I really want to say about this episode because the conversation is so good. And I really, truly believe that this is going to be one of those conversations that you guys come back to time and time again, because let's be real, growth is cyclical. Sometimes it feels really fucking good and sometimes it does not feel good at all. And I think that this is an episode that you're going to want to save not only in the times where you're feeling good, but especially in those times where you're not feeling as good and you just need a reminder 
as to what it's all for and what it all means and how you can actually learn to love those moments and not look at those moments as something that you need to rush to get out of or as if something is wrong with you during those times where things are a little bit more challenging or you feel more emotional turmoil. So I, again, I'm just so excited for you to listen to this episode. Follow Dan, please please, please, please follow Dan, especially for those of you in the coaching industry. He is revolutionizing the way that coaches work with their clients. And he ultimately helps coaches and business owners unblock and unleash their personal power and magnetism and be able to teach their clients how to do the same as well. So his Instagram is at Dan Mendelo, D-A-N-M-E-N-D-I-L-O-W. And you will find that in the show notes as well as a link to his website if you want to work with him. I think by the time this episode is coming out, he's still going to be stateside, but he is moving to Sayulita to study, which you will hear in this episode at the beginning of our conversation. So if you want to work with him or get in touch with him, I would do so ASAP. And I would love if you have yet to already take a screenshot of this episode post it up on your Instagram stories, tag at The Alchemized Life. I absolutely love when you guys share episodes that inspire you or have you thinking differently or give you a different context for different aspects of your life that you might be navigating. It really means a lot to me. And so it would be so cool to see any of your tags or your shares. And if you are not already subscribed to the podcast, please subscribe because we have so much coming out in the new year and it's going to be epic. It's going to rock your world. It's going to alchemize your life, your business, your bank account, your relationships. And I am so excited to take you along for the ride. All right, my loves, enjoy this episode with Dan. I'll see you on the other side. I'm so excited to chat with you today. And just like off of our conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago for your podcast, I was like, oh, there's just so many things that we can dive into. Um, but before we even go there, Dan, I'm so curious, like, what are you most excited about with Sayulita? The mystery, the unknown, the depth, like where, where is your heart really aligning to right now as far as excitement? I mean, the most exciting, that's really hard because yeah. it's kind of, there's like one main theme and then there are all the components of it. So this is the end of a massive chapter and the beginning of a new identity. This really feels energetically. And I knew it. I knew it from the beginning of this year that around this time, something is going to just change. And mm. it is, it's been confirmed through all sorts of readings, shamanic readings, tarot readings, psychics, like the whole universe telling me, and including my own intuition telling me that this is when I step into who I'm really meant to be in this life. Hmm. It's you feel like, like you haven't been that before or yet? It's all kind of preparation for a massive leap. Mm, yeah. And then, and then there'll be another one, right? But this is one of those big shifts into what I'm really supposed to do, how I'm really supposed to serve and how I'm really supposed to show up for other people. And I think part of it is because of the amount of study I'm going to do with shamans down there. And it's not just learning, right? When you learn shamanism, it's not 
a book. It's not a class. It's going out and doing really deep shadow work and medicine and really scary confrontations with parts of yourself that you've tried unconsciously for your entire life to hide. And all of that. And I'm really excited about that. I mean, that's something that I love doing. I'm curious about. And every time I do this kind of work and focus on it, all of my sessions light up like it's it's like a superpower just gets added on. And so in the past, I've gone and I've done little bits here and there, an ayahuasca retreat, a combo and bufo experience, and then months off. Here, I'll have a much more regular access to shamans and various shamans. So I'm going to be tapped into a network of teachers and healers. And so I'm going to be able to really focus on my own growth and expansion not just professionally, but in my own experience of spirituality and healing and myself. And I think that's going to catalyze one of the bigger shifts I've ever experienced. I'm so excited for you. I mean, it's like, that's like the true embodiment, right? It's going and doing it yourself, like taking yourself to the depths of the experience because there's no other way to bring anyone else there if you have not yet gone there yourself. There's no way to hold somebody within that if you've never experienced it. And, you know, I think for me in the beginning, when I was just starting out, there would be so many moments where it would be like, oh, why am I like experiencing this negative events in my life or why am I feeling this way towards myself or my relationship to my work or my relationship to social media. And what I realized, luckily I would say early enough on, but it could have been earlier was that. So all of those moments, all of those events were actually just preparing me to be able to have the capacity to hold space for people and to facilitate the transformation that I knew other people that would be coming into my world would not just like want, but actually need in order to have the breakthroughs and feel the liberation emotionally, mentally, financially that they really desired. And so it's so cool to have that perspective going into these experiences of this. Yes, this is for me and I'm going to confront this and I'm going to be okay. And I'm going to learn how to hold myself through this and it's for the greater good. And I think sometimes that's actually like the only thread that I can hold on to at some points when I'm really navigating hard things in my life. Yeah. It's it. And it's kind of been my whole path that I think my primary focus in life is going out there and experiencing the weird and the deep and the difficult and the esoteric and the confusing and the terrifying um, so that I can integrate it for other people. That's kind of been my entire story, like my journey to healing my own depression, my experience of a dark cult these are things that most even healers don't do and have not experienced. And I keep finding myself in weird situations and doing these wild things. And for me, it's always like that. 
Yeah. It's always, you know, it's, it feels like my job. Like this is what I was born to do going through difficult shit, going through the muck of human emotion and going through the difficult and the insane and everything so that I can become the kind of healer and the guide that people need so that I can really help and not just in a little way. That's what I hook on to when I have depressions like I had in this last summer, which shake me to my foundation. I mean, that was a true, good, solid existential crisis, the kind of rock bottom that really can mess you up. And when we go through that without a deep purpose, then it's just, it feels like a punishment. Mm-hmm. Or it feels like something we just need to get through. Yeah. But it's always been the case for me that the harder the stuff I go through, the more I can serve and the better I can serve. And it makes, it's not just, it makes it all worth it. It connects me with why I'm alive. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I mean, it's such an important thing to remember during those times. And I think the first time that I actually experienced that was last summer when I was, it was really like, gosh, I want to say like March or April of 2021. And I remember, I think Sedona was what kicked it off that fucking vortex. Uh, Sedona kicked it off where I just started like really asking my, I always make fun of myself. It's like that Zoolander clip where he's looking in the puddle and he's like, who am I? <laughs> <laughs> like I was straight up looking into the, into the Creek, uh, in Sedona, like, who am I? Like, what am I doing? And then it intensified when I went to Maui, another like really powerful place. And I remember coming back to San Diego and just feeling so disconnected from this fire that I had within myself and just praying and praying to find that girl again, praying to find the purpose and why I was feeling that way. But also knowing like every prayer I'm saying, every time I sit down to meditate and connect to this part of myself, I'm reminding myself that there is purpose in it. I'm reminding myself that there is a light at the end of the tunnel. I'm reminding myself of the impermanence of all of the things that I'm navigating and that there is a greater meaning to all of it. And I mean, for how challenging it was to experience that from like a personal and like professional, like purpose standpoint, but then also from a relationship standpoint, navigating, um, the the potential of separation at that point, I am so grateful to have had that, that faith to latch onto because without it, like you said, like, I think I would have just been so lost and would have really fallen from how much work I had done. If I hadn't held that in the back of my, my mind, the entire time I was navigating it. And, And so what do you think got you reconnected through all that? You know, I think the biggest thing was finally having the courage to make the decisions that I knew inside of my heart were meant to be made. So walking away from the relationship, knowing that certain relationships in my life, um, friendship wise, were really making me feel not seen, not inspired, not excited by life, um, feeling like I couldn't fully be myself in the relationships that I was in and feeling like I was 
kind of in this mode of settling, even though I had this other feeling inside of me that there was something more for me. And so it was really on the other side of creating integrity between what I felt in here and what I was experiencing um, on in my external reality. And I like preach that from the rooftops now, like if you are not in integrity with what you know to be true inside, there is going to be a disconnect. There is going to be a feeling of misalignment and you're going to feel anxious. You're not going to feel good. You're going to feel like something needs to be there. You need to fill it or replace it or numb it or whatever it might be until you create that harmony. Yeah. And to me, that just brings up a question that I've been asking myself quite a bit, which is what, what is the main reason that I'm doing this thing, this Mm. habit or this coping mechanism, or why am I making this decision? Why am I hanging out with this person? What am I doing? Is it to get by or is it to thrive? And I noticed there were a lot of things that I was doing, small habits, larger ones, including drinking and all sorts of other things that I used to do, you know, for fun. I realized I was doing to get by. They were not going to help me thrive. And if I was thinking about, well, is this going to help me thrive? And the answers that got, you know, the questions that got yeses, will this help me thrive? Yes. We're mostly doing really hard things. Mm. Can you give an example? Yeah. Like, well, I think a lot of us felt this call for community in this last year as the entire world seemed to just fraction off and everybody fucking hates everybody now where we feel like it's it's really time to find our sangha i've been talking a lot about that our real people not just friends for convenience not just people we've known for years it's just familiar not just people we like not just people that we have fun around but i think we've all had this calling to Find people who really help us thrive, who push us, who really support us, not who we like, but who we love, Mm. not who we like to be around, but who, when we're around them, we love ourselves even more. And that requires looking at people who are in your life, including family members, and recognizing when some space is necessary. And and it could be really hard to look at someone and say, well, you know, I really like you, right? Or I might even like love you a little bit or love you in a certain way, but it's just not what I need to thrive. So I need to let go of you, make space for my real sangha, my real soul tribe to show up. And that could be really difficult. And that might also include a little bit of time of feeling lonely or disconnected or confused or lost or whatever it might bring heartbreak if you might have to break up with someone because they aren't helping you thrive or doing the difficult thing pivoting your business trying something really scary moving doing things that are really fucking hard because it's it's not easy also to deal with the triggers that come up when we do big things mm-hmm. <laughs> right because We live in a society that I think preaches doing the difficult shit, but doesn't do it. It's just bumper sticker, 
fucking memeology that sounds good that people are not embodying. Mm-hmm. Shareable like, content, but not real. Yeah, that feels great. It's sugar on top. It it feels nice. It gives people a dopamine kick. But it's kind of like buying a cookbook, but never learning how to cook. Because buying it's easy. Learning how to cook is hard. Getting the gym membership is easy. Working out regularly is hard. And we have learned to cope and learn to avoid our triggers. That's what cancel culture is all about. It's a bunch of people who think that feeling bad is bad and feeling good is good. And we should adjust everything so that we never feel bad. We only feel good and fuck everybody. They should all know our triggers and stay away from them. And so we never have to feel difficult. So we never have to feel bad. We should never have to struggle. And I think that is the worst thing that a person can do. I think we should train ourselves to do the exact opposite. You know, if you're afraid of moving, move. If you're afraid of pivoting, do the thing. If you feel like breaking up or, you know, changing your friend group is what you need, but it's hard, do it because it's hard. Let yourself get triggered. Let yourself break down. Do the shadow work. Let all your shit come up so you can see all of your demons, then learn how to dance and integrate with them and your life will change. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I full heartedly agree with that. I mean, I was posting the other day on Instagram. I was like, is it really because you're a Leo? Is it really because your human design is a manifesting generator? And or is there shadow work for you to do? Is there some a conversation you need to have with a coach or a mentor or a therapist to get to the bottom of why you're outsourcing your power and saying, oh, I can't do this, or this is why I am this way because of the stars. Like that's, that's shallow. It's not really taking you to the depth of what you're capable of doing and who you're capable of being and like the strength that you're able to demonstrate to yourself if you are just going to cut it short at, oh, I, this doesn't make me feel good. So I'm not going to go there. Or this is why I am the way that I am. So I can't change in this way. And so interesting, as you were talking, I'm curious, do you want to have kids? No. No. Okay. No, please. <laughs> no, <laughs> never. But yeah, things can change. Right. But as I am right now, no. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say, because I feel like, you know, my sister, she's 20 years old. She has autism. So her social component is very different than a typical child. Um, I guess she's an adult now because she's 20. It still blows my mind. Um, but that whole generation, like Gen Z and whatever comes after Gen Z, like for those of you that are listening that are Gen Z, I'm sorry, I love you. And like, you're so soft. <laughs> Why do we have to have bumpers on every single conversation, every single opinion, every single like path that we walk down in order to create more comfort? Like, I just don't think that that is how were able to evolve personally, but then as, as an entire planet as well, you know, there's that saying hard men make good times, good times, make soft men, soft men, make bad times, bad times, make hard men. I love that saying because it's so true. Yeah. It's, it's a challenge and you see it, especially in American culture where we want so little to do with 
anything that feels hard that we won't even talk with each other. You're not even allowed to question anymore. You'll get banned from social media if you question certain things. You question, you know, vaccines, you'll get banned. If you question anything, if you say, if you write the word trans and then anything controversial, you will get banned and you will get canceled. This is not free speech. And when we close that down, when we close down conversation, and we no longer want to engage with people who disagree with us because we cannot handle the discomfort of maybe being wrong. Think about what we do with ourselves. When we look inside and we see a pattern mm-hmm. we don't like or a fear or an insecurity. Well, if we can't handle looking or engaging with things that make us feel uncomfortable, then we will bypass our own negative emotions. We will ignore our own insecurities. We will stay deep in our comfort zones, in our own ideological bubbles, and we will cease to grow. And this is death. Mm-hmm. You'll either die inside or you'll fucking die because we have to grow. We're meant to grow. And this is why we have hard times. This is why things break down. This is why we have triggers and why we have relationships so that we can see within, so that we can become whole people with our shadows fully integrated, so that we can experience the full range of the human experience, not just what feels good in the moment. And it's challenging because I'm sure you've seen it with your clients, you know, who who want to make a lot of money, but they don't want to do the hard thing. They want to make a lot of money, but they don't want to post every day. They want to do, but they don't want to make it hard. Everybody wants the magic bullet still. Mm-hmm. And, and it's so funny that people talk about it. Oh, I know I don't need the magic bullet. I know I don't need this, but please give me the blueprint. Mm-hmm. I, I know that I'm, you know, I'm not looking for the easy route, but I respond to all the marketing that sells me the easy route, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? It, it's hypocritical. It's disingenuous. It's scapegoating because then the more we learn, then we can just cleverly scapegoat. This is where you get to like, oh no, I can't do it. I'm a Leo. I can't do it. I'm a Sagittarius. I can't do it. Oh, it's, it's, I have a line in my human design that says this. <laughs> and so, you know. This is just a, a sentence, right? Like I can't change. And we just give everything away because it's more comfortable than saying, I've got a wound, I've got a trauma, I've got an insecurity, I've got a pattern that I've developed. And it is within my power to change it. It is my responsibility to change it and not just to myself, but to the people around me. Mm-hmm. I have a responsibility to the people I say I love to become every day the best version of me, because if I'm going to subject other people to me, I want to make that experience as good and supportive and loving as possible. And that puts a responsibility on me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that this is also so important. Like you said, from, from the personal perspective, like when I think about the people that listen to this podcast, it's mostly coaches, it's mostly entrepreneurs. It's, 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 
individuals that desire to be of service and there's an irresponsibility there if you're not willing to really do this work and take full responsibility and it's a lot easier to point your finger at something like oh it's because I don't have the money right now, or this person didn't teach me in the way that I wanted to be taught, or this person triggered me, or they said something that I disagreed with, or I don't like their style, like all of those things. It's like, what excuses and where are you pointing the finger that, you know, in some cases, rightfully, the finger might need to be pointed. And even in those cases, there's always a responsibility that lies within you and a part that you play, period. It's not, it's never a one-way street. Even when somebody's signing up for a course, right? I've had people come to me who have signed up for courses that they're like, I didn't like it. I was sold something different. I didn't get anything out of it. And it's... um. And I, and I tell them, I'm like, yeah, well, that's, you know, I've gone into courses as well before where I didn't really enjoy the content or I didn't love the coach's style and yeah, you know, it's on them and there's a responsibility there. You did also decide to sign up for that course. There is some sort of nugget of information for you in there. And maybe the healing itself and what you were meant to learn from that experience was how not to do things or how to come into investments with a little bit more intentionality and integrity and awareness emotionally of where you were investing from. And so I think that it's just, if you want to be successful, take responsibility. And take responsibility for the part you play, your emotional state, the the actions that you've taken, where, 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 where you didn't lean in. And in doing so, the growth that you will experience, I mean, fuck, it's going to be brutal sometimes because you're going to have to hold yourself accountable for the ugly and the part that you play. And talk about quantum leaping, like that's how you quantum leap, take responsibility for the part you play and you will quantum leap in every single area of your life. Yeah. I mean, so what were some of the times in your life that you saw yourself going up against a big internal challenge? Like what, what do you, when you think of that, what were some of the things that gave you a quantum leap because you faced it and did the hard thing? Yeah. I mean, I think one of the times that I can instantly fall back into is like when I first decided to go all in on coaching, I was living in LA at the time and I was struggling. Like it, my rent was expensive. I had a lot of overhead because of my podcast. Um, and I knew that I really wanted support and I also couldn't afford support. Like I, if I was to look at like dropping 10 K on paying for private mentorship, I wouldn't have been able to do that, um, from how things looked. But I also knew that the person that I desired to work with Amanda Merritt, um, who you met at my birthday party, yes, I did. um, Amanda, I knew, I knew her heart. I knew what she had created. I knew that she was the person that would support me. And I didn't know how I was going to make it happen, but I knew that whatever work we were going to do together, as scary as it would be to put myself out there in that way financially, because so many people have so much frenetic energy around money, which I did at the time. 
I knew that it was going to change my life. And so there was a point earlier that year when I had reached out to her and I think it was a smaller investment at that point. And I just didn't have the strength inside of me to be like, I can do this. I can do this. I've got this. And I leaned on my husband at the time. I asked my dad, like I was outsourcing to try and get somebody to say, yes, you can go or no, this isn't the right time. And of course, you know, the numbers and the finances and the money in the coaching world is so different than so many other industries. And so the moment you say, I want to spend $7,000 on this coaching certification, somebody's like, are you out of your mind? Um, and so of course I got no's. And so I went into it with this really weak handshake of like, Oh, uh, do you think that this would be okay for me to do? Like, do you think I could do it? And of course they were like, no, like you don't even think it's okay for you to do it. And so I didn't do it. And then I sat with that for almost an entire year before I finally was like, no, like this is so important to me. I believe in myself. I don't know how I'm going to make it work, but I'm going to make it work. And I invested and put down the deposit and literally it was a $10,000 package. And literally within the four weeks, after, excuse me, the six weeks after I first started working with her, I made $14,000. I'd never made that much money in a six week period in my entire life. And that was the quantum leap for me in my business. Cause it wasn't just about the investment. It was also about who I was deciding to show up as from that point forward and who I desired to be from that point forward as a leader and as a woman. So very similar to like what you were sharing of at the beginning of this conversation around just knowing that like right now there's like a bookend from who you were and an opening and an invitation into who you are becoming. Like I felt that so deeply at that time. And it really was one of those quantum leap moments for not only like my business and my growth, but how I started to view myself and hold myself as a woman. Yeah, that's, it's so big. Just making that kind of crazy leap. And it's so funny that the things that, when I think about them and I talk about them pretty often, especially because sometimes I like to see how people respond, you know, like I joined a Hindu cult when I was an atheist. Can you tell, talk more about that? Yeah. Um, I had quit my job as my nine to five job. After uh, getting all my NLP certifications and making some real strong headway and NLP really started making a difference. So far, it was the only thing that really helped me mitigate my suicidal depression. And I was born depressed, literally. And so it's all I knew. And to have shifting in that when nothing else worked showed me a different world. But I was not really ready to coach. I didn't know anything about business. I didn't know anything about it. I just knew I really needed to do this. I saw how much it helped other people. And I also saw that it was fairly lucrative doing NLP certifications. Like, oh, this is like a, a real thing. Mm -hmm. So I quit my job and I was working with a guy who gave me, you know, certified me, who said he was going to show me the ropes, but turns out, I, he didn't really know anything about business either. I, he was just kind of like showing up to events and just he was charismatic enough that he would pull people into his events. 
So there was like nothing for me to learn business-wise. And I was just burning through all my savings mm. and feeling like, cool, I have all these skills. I have this potential future, but I don't know how to make it work. And I already quit my job and promised myself I was not going to go back into a nine to five. And that was one uh, a friend from college and I started talking and he had helped other coaches or two other coaches start a lucrative career. And he was trying to help me. He didn't help me at all. But what he did say was like, look, you know, I can see that you're really anxious that you're, this is really stressful for you. You kind of freaked out. Like, yeah, no shit. I'm on the border of a nervous breakdown, putting myself into adrenal fatigue because I'm just anxious all the time. I don't know what to do. And I'm just seeing all my money just vanish. I feel that. <laughs> right. It, it's super freaky. And he told me, well, you know, check out this guy online, their guru, whatever, hated the way he talked. He was talking also like in a nice way, basic bitch life coaching shit you can learn from social media. I'm like, look, dude, this is not my thing. He's like, well, go to a temple, talk to the sannyasis, the priests, essentially. Mm -hmm. And I was so desperate at that point. I figured, fuck it. You know, I, yeah, I'm an atheist. And, and at that point, really wanted nothing to do with anything religious or spiritual. That was all bullshit. And went there and noticed when I spoke to people who went to their programs, they felt different. There was something different about them. But no one could tell me anything. Asking them, you know, what do you feel changed between before a program and after a program? And no one gave me real solid or specific answers is that I feel more grounded. I feel more at peace. I feel more at ease and that's it. But the program is like 15 grand, which is all the money that I had in the bank. And like, cool. Well, if this works, then maybe I'll be okay. If it doesn't, I am fucked. But one day when I was waiting for one of the sannyasis so I can speak with them about just general advice, what to do with all this anxiety. They tell me to go into the room with all the deities, all these big deities and statues and everything. I'm like, cool. I'm going to hang out with gods. I'm great. <laughs> okay. I'm hang out in this bullshit. Walked around the room. And I didn't know it then, but that was my first time feeling spiritual energy. I walked closer to their guru stuff, a bunch of their padukas, bracelets, things that he wore big cardboard cutout of them that I thought was really creepy. <laughs> but the closer I got to it, the more I could feel the staticky something around my body. And when I backed away, I felt it less. And the closer I got, the more intense it got from any angle. And I'd never felt anything like that. And I, I just had to come to this decision point, like, okay, I either go and just see what this is. See, why do people feel so much peace after an event? What is here? There is something here. Or I can just go back and forget that this weirdness exists in the world. But I can't do that. I'm too curious. <laughs> I have to know. Like, what is this shit? Why, am I, why is my body feeling this way? And they told me there that if you commit to a program and you write a prayer sheet, They'll send it to the guru. The guru will do some sorcery and the magic will happen. The money will appear. 
this is my first test of like, okay, this is absolute bullshit. You know, manifestation doesn't exist. That's just nonsense that people created so that they can explain shit to themselves. The universe is just random, right? Well, I fill out this sheet. A program and everything would cost me 15 grand. I'm like, all right, fine, I'll commit. The flight to Thailand, a month where I can't make any money, all of the money that I've got in my bank account to go to this meditation retreat with them. Two weeks after I fill that out, I make my first sale as a coach, 15 grand, right in my wow. bank account. <laughs> like, uh oh. <laughs> You're like, shit. <laughs> I guess there's something fucking real here. And I went there and I had a Kundalini awakening, came back feeling energy, came back with a lot of the sensitivities that I had turned off as a child because they freaked me out, made me feel like an alien. And all of a sudden, I was sensitive to people's thoughts and emotions. And I could see things that felt like I shouldn't be able to see them. And I knew things that were going to happen. I just knew them in my body. And I came back and figured out one way of direct reach out just from kind of fucking around. And I started signing clients. And within six months, I became LA's number one coach on Yelp. I had a $100,000 business, six-figure business. Within a year or a year and a half, I doubled that. And everything changed. So even then, it was like, you know, I'm an atheist. I don't believe in this stuff. It felt like nonsense. All of my money, and yet, something in me told me to go. And it changed everything. The courage to follow. I mean... It's so, I'm, I'm at a loss for words because words don't really have the capacity to fully wrap themselves around what it means to follow that curiosity, to be brave enough, to lean into the knowing that you have inside of you and to listen to it and to, and to trust it too, right. To be able to first and foremost, excavate enough of the bullshit to be able to hear it. But then from that point to follow it, like that takes guts because a lot of people know what they're supposed to do. And a lot of those people don't actually go and do it. And I mean, I've always been somebody who's like, yeah, I have fear, but I'm going to lean in and do the thing anyways. And it sounds like you as well have always just followed that curiosity and that pull towards something unknown, something grander, something unique and different and weird. And I guess I'm curious, like, do you hold expectation at all or are you completely unattached? And if so, how? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, now I hold a lot less expectation. I used to because I also thought that following your intuition and doing the hard thing would lead to like benefits mm -hmm. all the time. This is what we see on social media. Yeah. We're led to believe I do this process. I do this healing. I listen to my intuition and then things are good. That is not how it works out all the time. Mm -hmm. I do this thing so that this happens. That's a big thing that I've had to break through over the past like two years. Yeah. First of all, 
life doesn't work that way. And then what if what is necessary for your growth does not feel good? What if following your intuition leads you to an absolute breakdown? This has happened to me. And I, this happened to me this year. I did a medicine journey and it led me to making a few decisions that put me into one of the worst depressions, existential crises, and full-on ego death. Now, ego death, if anybody's really experienced it, usually experience it through a medicine journey. And it's usually the worst part of the medicine journey for people. I did it by my fucking self, to myself, unconsciously, over the course of two months in the summer. And I remember speaking with my uh, shaman that I work with, and I'm like, Rebecca, what is going on? I thought doing medicine journeys would make things better. She goes, no, 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 no. Doing medicine journeys allows you to do the work. And sometimes what is necessary is for you to experience great stuff, even more money, even more love, even more opening, feeling even better, celebrating life and loving every day. And sometimes the medicine pulls stuff up from the repressed side, from the shadow, from these nether regions that you hoped to never see so that you can experience them and then you can do the work that is required because mm -hmm. we have this almost like an advanced comfort zone. And people think, no, no, no. I've had so many people tell me this. No, no, no. I do uncomfortable stuff all the time, Dan. Like I'm not in my comfort zone. No, no, no. You know, you can get used to a certain level of discomfort mm -hmm. and it doesn't make it comfortable. It just puts that level of discomfort into your comfort zone, which means that in order to go out of your comfort zone, you need to do something that really freaks you out or breaks shit so that you can realize the things that never needed to be there. That depression in the summer triggered by decisions I made from a medicine journey ripped away parts of my ego and parts of myself that were just there to make me comfortable. Mm -hmm. Stories, identities, all kinds of things. Because we do that. Our industry is loaded with toxic positivity like crazy. People looking at all, like angel numbers to let you know <laughs> that you're doing the right thing. Hey, 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 the bag thing on the airplane that I was getting on today said 333. And I was like, all right, I'm landing today. <laughs> right. And, it, and it, like we will look for any signs and create stories for ourselves so that we can feel good. So we can feel like, well, I'm doing the right thing. The universe is telling me it loves me. All this stuff. We're Look, a lot of the times what will help even more is realizing I'm falling off a cliff right now and it is okay for me to be freaked out, fucked up and just have shit break because then I can see what I really need. Mm. Then I can leave things behind. It's like when you move and you get an opportunity to throw a lot of stuff away. Like I just put a lot of my stuff in storage because I'm moving to Mexico and I realized there was a lot of stuff. I was just moving from closet to closet or garage to garage. I just gave it away. And people asked me, it's like, well, why couldn't you sell it? Couldn't you use it later? Couldn't you just hold on to it? It's expensive. It's a lot of money. And we just travel with it. This is, we do the same thing with parts of ourselves. Mm -hmm. These parts of us, well, 
I'm just going to keep this story. I'm just going to keep doing this habit. I'm just going to keep these people. I'm just going to keep this environment. A good solid breakdown will help you throw some of that stuff out. It's like being evicted. Like, wouldn't mm-hmm. you can't live in that same place, boo-boo. You got to let go of some shit. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the work that we do, a lot of following intuition will push you right into the flame. But it doesn't make it bad. It doesn't make you, you know, it, it, that could be the biggest blessing of your life. It likely will be. It. Yes. It likely will be. Yeah. And so we, I think, owe it to ourselves to learn how to handle chaos and how to handle rock bottom, not just a little bit uncomfortable, but full on freak out. Not just a little, oh, your launch didn't go well. You know, try pivoting and have it go catastrophically wrong such that you can't go back to what you used to do and you're forced to do something new. And you're forced then to find out, what do I really love? What does work for me? What is my voice? Who am I? Who do I want to be? Is what I was doing just to maintain a certain income because... That's what we talk about on social media is how much money we've made and I've associated my worth to my income. Or can I now, because everything is broken and shattered, create a new sense of my own worth mm-hmm. and how I want to show up that allows me to thrive every day rather than just maintenance or growth for growth's sake, earning more because that's what I feel like I'm supposed to do. Have an existential crisis. It'll make you question everything. Mm-hmm. feels like shit. But wow, when you shake your edge of sketch good and hard and realize, oh, I can draw anything now. And then your question is, what will really feel good? What will help me move forward into another stage in my life? Then you realize what blessing that breakdown really was. Yeah, I love that so much. I love the advanced comfort zone too. I'm like, ooh, where have I been living in my advanced comfort zone? And I think it's it's just a good reminder for all of us. Like there are a lot of ways that you're likely playing it safe or you're not being honest about what's real for you or what's being perpetuated by what you're consuming via social media or your coach or fuck, even this podcast. Like what is real for you. And sometimes it's so hard to answer that question until we're in the state of being completely burnt to the ground. And I think the way that you frame this darkness, this shadow, this breaking is so freeing because there's no need to change it, to fix it, to make it wrong. But you know, very much like the rest of your personality to get curious with it, to dance with it, to get to know it, to befriend it. And I think there's such an opportunity for all of us there because so much of the suffering that we experience is because we're freaked out that we're suffering in the first place. And we're putting this intense pressure on ourselves because we're suffering and I don't want to be suffering and it doesn't feel good. And so now I'm suffering more because I'm blaming myself for the suffering. And it's like, if you can just understand that sadness, anger, the existential crisis, the frustration, the not knowing, the heartbreak, all of those pieces, like if you can just understand that they're inevitable, they're a part of you. 
They're what allow you to grow. They're what set you up to thrive at your next level. They're what takes away and peels back the curtain of what's not real. If you can just see it from that perspective, I think that it will change your experience of being in it from one of, I don't want to be here to, all right, I guess I'm moving into this stage for a while. Let's play. And I think that that actually allows you to move through it faster. Totally. And, and the thing here is we've got to break away from the silly belief that what feels bad is bad and what feels good is good. It's nonsense and bullshit and leads to addiction, emotional addiction, physical addiction, food addiction, actual like substance addiction, right? Because then we're just looking for drugs all the time. Mm -hmm. What's my next fix? Is it income? <laughs> Is it sex? Is it friends? Who? Where do I get this from? And we move away from the challenge. This also builds up expectation. The way to move away from expectation is realize that if you're going to feel good, that'll be your celebration. And if it's going to feel bad, do your fucking work. Classes in session. This is like an upgrade begging for you to pay attention. Mm. Because when we integrate the shadow, it gives us access to our light. This is something that was shown to me so powerfully in ayahuasca. And it was one of the most beautiful lessons I think I'd ever learned. And it was so remarkable because we all know the experience. Like, you know, the experience of listening to something, watching something, reading something that breaks your heart, makes you sad, but you like it, right? It's weird, right? Like mm -hmm. Sometimes we'll put on a song because it makes us sad. Mm-hmm. And we love it. You watch a movie that makes you cry and you love it, but it's a negative emotion. But it doesn't feel good. Why does it feel good to not feel good? Because in that moment, you are giving yourself space to acknowledge that you are a whole human being and you showed up here to experience the wide range of yourself. And we all want to be seen, heard, felt appreciated and we have parts of us that also want to be seen heard felt and appreciated and so when we give them space to be honored and loved then we get access to all of ourselves so can you appreciate heartbreak can you sit in grief and really without any resistance to it experience it really taste it savor it feel what it brings up for you can you enjoy anger because i know for me when i in ayahuasca was shown how every single one of my depressions was trying to help me and serve me and it was my resistance to it that made it feel awful that i could have just been listening to it like that song that made me sad and the moment I learned how to do that, I got access to joy, the likes of which I'd never been able to experience before. And it's weird that now it's like, in this move, I've gotten the blessing of feeling something I'd never felt before, literally, which is weird. I'm about to turn 39 and there are emotions that I have not felt yet <laughs> and I'm starting to. Things that people have felt their entire lives. It's a bonkers, strange experience. It's almost like imagining, imagine like being colorblind your whole life. And then one day you wake up and you see red. It's just this incomprehensible experience that everybody else has seen it, but you just wake up like, oh shit, 
Wait, this is where you've been able to see this in your life. <laughs> Could you put a word to the feeling? I mean, it is uh, a few words. One, it's confusing because it's a new experience. It's a new feeling. So at first, I didn't know what the fuck I was feeling at all. And then it was uncomfortable because missing people sucks. It hurts. And I learned my lesson well. So I sat with it and I experienced it and I allowed myself to be immersed in the feeling of missing people. And I went right through it into an even deeper appreciation of why I missed them Mm. and missing them already, even though I haven't left them yet. Um, And it, it took me to realizing how available I made myself this year to the intimacy with people and relationships that has cultivated love within these people, within me, the love that I've received and given as unlike I've ever had access to. And so allowing people to see me, really see me like they never have before has afforded me the opportunity to miss them. And these are all beautiful feelings. And yeah, it sucks to miss them, but all of it has shown me so much that is a blessing that it feels good to feel bad for me. And I love missing them. And it sounds weird, but like, I appreciate it. Mm, I love that. I love also that it came from you going first too. It wasn't you waiting for them to see you or you waiting for something outside of yourself to make you feel that way. Like you just said it there. I let myself be seen. I let myself open up to the intimacy of these relationships. And then this is what came from it. And I think that so many of us are waiting around to feel comfortable doing so. I mean, I know I was for so long in romantic partnership and would just close off and wait and say, I need my masculine counterpart to be the thing that makes me feel safe enough to rest in my feminine. And that was such a cop about. And, you know, it's unfortunate to have learned that lesson too little too late, but I get to bring it into my now relationship. And it's created such a shift in the depth and the intimacy that we get to share. Um, But it came from me going first. It came from me being the one to open up, to explore those parts of myself, to do the work. You know, like you said, like class was in session and I was like, all right, I'm here. I'm fucking taking notes and I'm going to be the one. Yeah. And it's, see, I've also trained myself to be a little bit psychotic. (laughs) When class is in session, I go after it. I taught myself a long time ago, if I'm afraid of something, I, I run to it. And so when I realized, um, at the beginning of this year that I was closed off, that there was something unconscious within me that was terrified of really being seen. And I put on personas, you know, the persona of the coach that could help others. So let me help you. Yeah, but don't see me. Don't look at who I really am. Mm -hmm. Look at this, this wise character that I could put on. And the moment I caught that, and I noticed like there was something deep in my body. 
I could feel myself get rigid. Sometimes my temperature would drop when I was around a beautiful woman. Like, why? Why do I feel like I need to drink? Like, what is this? Oh, because it loosens me up. Yeah, but why am I tight? Oh, because I have more fun with it. Yeah, but why can't I access that sober? What? Why? What's going on in there? Why am I so deeply uncomfortable with it? And I just went after it. I'm like, fuck this. I'm going to go dive into this fear because I recognize that I create my reality and it is my responsibility to make of myself a person who thrives by nature through thick and thin. And I want to see myself foremost. I think it's unacceptable that there are parts of me that I still don't know that are afraid of things and changing the way that I respond to the world in an invisible way so that all I experience consciously is this person doesn't like me. This doesn't work. This is hard. I don't like this. I feel rigid. I feel uncomfortable. I need to drink. I need to hide. I need to sleep. I need to eat. I need to cope. I need to, I don't, I am not about that. I want to bring everything out to the forefront. I want to see myself first. And what that allowed me to do there is realize that the more I'm okay with seeing all of me, but especially the parts I'm afraid of, especially the parts that I don't like, the parts that bring up shame or used to bring up shame, the more I can sit with those parts, well, then the easier it is for me to show up in the world being authentic and genuine and whole. And I don't need to be perfect anymore because I'm okay with my shadow. And I don't need to have expectations because it's okay for people to have responses and it's okay for me to get triggered by them. And it's okay for me to fail because then when I get good and fucked up by it, it'll be another lesson that'll be another beautiful upgrade in my world. And all of a sudden I fell in love with shadow work and recognized that in my belief now, that's the real stuff. Like I love light workers. I have a lot of respect for light workers. I just happen to think that the hard, brutal shit that we avoid, that we run away from, that's where magic really is. Mm-hmm. And you know, you start doing it, like try do some good shadow work and tell me you don't get addicted to it. <laughs> it's too good. It's freeing too, right? It's like the invisible, oh my gosh, I had a uh I don't even remember when this was. I think it was just one of my clients gave me a rating maybe. And she, oh no, she did like a chakra meditation and she just did a reading and I wasn't even on the phone with her. And she said as she was moving through all my chakras, she said that when she got to my heart, there was this vision of, of, of me being chained. But if you were to follow the chains up, there was nothing there. It was just me being chained by this illusion. And like the question that she asked me when, when she shared this with me is like, who's holding the chains. And, and that was so profound to me of like, wow, there's, there's this illusion of me being chained to something, not being free. And ultimately I'm the one holding the chains. I'm the one allowing myself to be stuck in this illusion. But if I just look up a little bit, I can see that I'm not actually chained to anything and I'm actually free. And I think that that was such a beautiful metaphor and just like 
image to have in my mind that I literally just until this moment, don't even, didn't even remember having that reading. And I feel like that's such a great metaphor for also the shadow work that we do of like the illusions that we are chained to, that we have the opportunity to move through. And on the other side is freedom. Yeah. And so when you got that reading and you had that realization, was that enough for you to let go of those chains or did you have to do some more work? Oh, more work for sure. For sure. Yeah. I think it's, it's things like that, that are like, it's like the invitation to the birthday party, right? It's not even like, it's not even necessarily opening the door. It's just letting you know that it's there and that it's happening. And if you want to come, here's your invitation. Right. Yeah. I think that it's really interesting. So this is something that I'm developing now and it is a wild concept, but makes a lot of sense. It's just very difficult to teach. So I'm kind of formulating it. But when I do, I think it's, I've already used it with a couple of clients and it's shifted them dramatically. But it's the concept of when we get very clear on, for example, your chains, if you went all the way to the top of those chains and see not only that you're holding them, but the way you're holding them, why you're mm. holding them, when you mm. started holding them, very often that is enough to just let go. But you have to find that first domino moment, that first emotional domino. And the way that I think about it here is, and this is all backed by ludicrous amounts of cognitive science studies, where we find that when there is a stimulus, the very first thing that happens is an unconscious emotional response. Then is an unconscious cognitive response. Unconscious cognitive response, we're talking about like a limiting belief mm -hmm. or a perceptual block or a translation of emotion into something you can put into words, let's say. But it's all unconscious still. To your conscious mind, you still don't know that stimulus is there. After that comes a conscious emotional response. Now you're feeling something. And then your brain gets activated. And then you can have a thought about it. And you can realize what's going on. Now, if you find that very first emotional response to something, you'll find that it's very simple, very basic. Like just closing your heart off, just saying no. You find yourself the very first response before you even get a chance to have belief work kick in. Your heart goes, uh uh. Mm -hmm. When you can find that first domino, just the knowledge of that is often enough to shift and let go. Because very often we think we know why we respond to things. And even if we do some NLP, we think we know, but we don't. It's a lot of guesswork, it's imprecise. And it leads us to chasing our tails a lot of times. Like just knowing that your heart is in chains and you're holding them is not enough very often to mm -hmm. shift it. Mm -hmm. And even if you do believe work, it's not enough to shift it permanently. But we can go in and find these responses and realize that there, it's like the first line of code and see how your unconscious automatic responses are what run your life 
And then you're trying to make up for them. Like I realized uh, this, by the way, this realization came to me on Groove Cruise while I was dressed uh, um, in like ultraviolet pants. <laughs> of course fur, you were. <laughs> yeah, I love coat, it. Hat, melty glasses, no shirt, pasties, like looking like this, having a, like a monumental breakthrough on a rape boat. How many people do you think are having those breakthroughs at the same time? God, I hope a ton. Yeah. <laughs> I really hope so. Because <laughs> to me, that it just makes it even more of a reason to celebrate. Like, yeah. that's my favorite thing. Do some work in the day, give a real good reason to dance your ass off at night. <laughs> so I hope half the fucking boat had those big ass realizations and breakthroughs and shifts. Um, But to me, it was interesting because on the first two days, and this is also because I have stopped drinking entirely. Medicine took that out of my desire. And I don't do any other drugs at festivals anymore because I take on too much of other people's stuff when I open up like that. So sober partying for like the first time in my life, and I felt really uncomfortable and felt, what's going on there? Why is it hard? Why are people so much more open to my friends and not to me. And I thought, well, you know, it's because I don't have my coping mechanisms. I don't have my drugs. I don't have my drinking. I don't have my stuff here. And it came to me in a flash when I realized, because I really felt in looking for the pain, looking for, I knew it had to be some kind of fear, some kind of thing that was kicking off immediately before I was even aware that people were there. What am I doing? What is going on there? searching for like the root of discomfort in it. And I found that my first emotional response, whenever my brain saw that there was someone there was to reject them, mm. to keep them far away from me, to keep myself safe. So it was just, a, nope. But I wasn't aware that I was doing it. So all of my other belief work, all the other learning charisma and how to talk and I like, you know, I uh, contact and body language and everything was trying to make up for my original rejection of a person. It's like me sending them away. No, 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 come back. Mm -hmm. And I had been working on that pattern, trying to figure out what that is for like 10 years doing the regular stuff, hypnosis, breath work, NLP, all this other stuff. But because I couldn't find the root cause, the thing, it was a lot like just guesswork. And sometimes things would help and sometimes things weren't. But it was like me addressing symptoms, but not the cause. Mm -hmm. The moment I actually found out that first domino, that first response, it allowed me to then shift it. Mm. Just the knowledge of it. And ever since then, everything changed. Yeah. Like literally that, that moment and it was boom. All of a sudden I was friends with the, the entire boat and people were coming up to me and approaching me into, you know, I guess I just, I wasn't rejecting them. So now I was welcoming them. Mm. And after that, I noticed my marketing started shifting. And I started getting a lot better responses, a lot more responses. My friend group started shifting the way that I responded to new people, everything, the way that I treated myself. All of it. And it shows you like when you are open to chasing the pain, not the light, the dark, go into that and find the root, the very first moment of pain that kicks off 
all sorts of other coping mechanisms way before thought happens. Then you really find out who's holding those chains. Mm. And when you do, you can just let them go. I feel like that's the mic drop moment. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You are phenomenal and I appreciate you so much. And I know that there's going to be people listening to this podcast that reach out to you and are ready to chase the pain and are ready to dive deeper into shadow work. So can you just share where people can find you? I know you're going to be off the grid for a little bit, but you'll be back. And I mean, your work is just so powerful. So for anybody listening, if you're feeling the pull, follow it. Oh, well, first of all, thank you so much. And I received that. Um, if you're listening to this and would love to talk or follow up with me, uh, you can check me out on my website, danmendelo.com. Um, I keep all of my testimonials on Yelp, uh, obviously, because they've named me the number one life coach in Los Angeles for six years so far. Um, so if you just search in LA, search Dan Mendelo, you can read what other people say. I think it's powerful. Um, Hit me up on Instagram at Dan Mendelo. And uh, I've got a podcast as well, which mm-hmm. you were on Ava as well. We had a beautiful conversation there. And that's Magnetic AF. Or check out the old podcast I did with Sophie Kessner, uh, Mind Mastery and Manifestation. We have 125 episodes. Incredible. With that. So yeah, yeah, just immerse yourself. And I'm an open book as well. So If there are any questions, anything you'd like to know more about, just hit me up. Amazing. Thank you so much for coming on. I already know that we're going to do a podcast at the end of your journey in Sayulita in Mexico. And I'm so excited to just see how the conversation unfolds six months down the road. I would love to. And wow, am I going to have some wild shit to share with you? (laughs) Amazing. Amazing.